Okay, dear devotees, I have some nectar for you now. This is called Vrindavane Bhajan, Worshipping the Lord in Vrindavan. I am sitting alone in the transcendental abode of Sri Vrindavan Dham. Well, in this mode of contemplation, many realizations have been coming to me. I have my wife, along with sons, daughters, grandsons, everything. But because I have no money, I'm considered a worthless asset. Sri Krishna has shown me the naked form of material nature. By the strength of his mercy upon me today, I have become disgusted with it all. Krishna says, I gradually take away all the wealth of those to whom I show my favor. How was I able to understand the mercy, this mercy of the all-merciful Lord? Seeing that I am penniless, everyone has now abandoned me, including my own family members, my brothers, relatives, and even my friends. This situation is indeed miserable, but it is but it simply amuses me. I sit alone and laugh. In this mundane material world, whom do I really love? Where have my affectionate father and mother gone now? And where are all my elders and other relatives who are my own folk? Who will give me news of them now? I ask you, tell me who. All that is left of this so-called family is a list of their names. As the froth upon the sea water arises for a moment and then subsides, the play of Maya's worldly illusion is exactly like that. No one is factually a mother or father, a family member or relative. Everyone is just like the foam on the seawater, remaining in view for only a few moments. Just as the froth on the seawater dissolves again into the sea, the body made of five material elements merges again with these elements after it dies. How many material forms does the embodied soul take in this way? <clears throat> His so-called family members are only related to the temporary external body. But all of us are actually relatives, oh brothers, on the platform of pure spirit soul. These eternal relationships are not tinged with the temporary delusions of Maya. The Supreme Lord is himself the ultimate soul of everyone. In their eternal relation to him, everyone in the universe is equal. Oh brothers, all the millions of spirit souls are your personal relatives. In their true relationship with Krishna, everyone coexists in complete harmony. Forgetting Krishna, the living entity desires personal sense gratification. Because of this rebellious desire, the spirit soul falls into the clutches of Maya. As a result of their accumulated fruit of accumulated fruit of reactions, all these souls accept various bodily forms. Then, becoming engrossed in these material disguises, they forget all about their Lord, Sri Hari. Therefore, Maya torments the embodied souls with a great variety of material miseries. 
But as they rise and sink in these waves of suffering, they mistake their experiences for actual happiness. A chronically ill patient lies upon his bed, suffering intense pain, but he smiles and laughs as he states, today I am doing fine. All his talk about doing fine really makes me laugh out loud. This is the fine of the spirit soul who is truly bound up in Maya's illusion. They make a great many plans to live here comfortably doing fine. But material nature smashes all of their arrangements one after another. The Lord's Maya is divine energy consisting of the three modes of material nature. Oh, brothers, please try to understand the reality of this delusion and of supposedly doing fine. Although nobody is actually fine here in this world, they still say the words, I am fine. In this way, Maya completely cheats the bound up conditioned souls. But ignoring the fact that they are being cheated, these souls remain perpetually engrossed in illusion. Although Maya kicks them severely during their attempts to enjoy, they still refuse to give up their forgetfulness. Again and again, they make their plans, which again and again are, th are thwarted. Sometimes they fall on the dry earth, and sometimes they fall in the wet mud. In this way, all the fallen souls wander throughout the egg-like material universe until eventually, by the causeless mercy of Guru and Krishna, they are offered the eternal treasure of devotional service. If they reject all other forms of mundane wealth upon receiving that divine treasure of bhakti, then they can very easily travel outside the temporary material sphere. Beyond the limited world of dull matter exist spiritual wonders of limitless varieties. Feeling eternal peace and eternal happiness living there all the spirit souls joyfully frolic about. Only a madman ignorantly declares everything in the spiritual world is formless. He claims that God has no personal qualities and that ultimately there is just a void. But God is the storehouse of transcendental mellows. Verily, he is rasa itself. The ecstatic devotees who lovingly relish his mellows render service and submission to him. They serve him in the mellows of neutrality, servitude, friendship, parental affection, and in the rasa that is the greatest of them all, the quintessential conjugal mellow. When they are expressed in, this spirit, in the spiritual world, all of these mellows are very relishable. But in the material world, being mere reflections, they are repulsive distortions of the original. Whoever worships Krishna in devotion becomes truly wise. Whoever worships Maya in illusion becomes truly destitute. Thus becoming destitute, the fallen soul attempts to enjoy his fleeting fantasies. Bereft of the knowledge of his eternal relationship with Krishna, he is ensnared in the noose of his own fruitive reactions. Arjuna fought in the ancient battle of Kurukshetra, and Duryodhana also fought in the same battle. Arjuna was the best of devotees, whereas Duryodhana simply perished. The battlefield was the same, but the two persons were very different. 
One was a friend of Krishna and the other was a foe. Persons who are actually intelligent can understand the significance of this situation. Whoever is in knowledge of the spirit soul's eternal relationship with Lord Krishna and fights the battle of life for his sake will remain alive in devotional service while all others simply perish. I'll read that one again. Whoever is in knowledge of the spirit soul's eternal relationship with Lord Krishna and fights the battle of life for his sake will remain alive in devotional service while all others simply perish. Whoever is not in knowledge of the spirit soul's eternal relationship with Lord Krishna and runs foolishly down some other path will never attain love for Krishna and simply wastes their entire life. First, properly understand your eternal relationship with Krishna along with its subsequent transcendental truths. Then, remaining firmly fixed in your alliance with him, go and confidently fight the battle against Maya. Those who previously deserted that battle in order to become heroes in the realm of intellectual knowledge and fruit of action had never attained liberation from the material sphere, but simply remained disturbed throughout their lives. In name only, these appeared to be eminent and grave personalities, but in actuality, they were constantly agitated by Maya. Hankering after material enjoyment, liberation, and mystic perfection, all of them thus had uncontrolled senses. Uncontrolled senses can never be subdued, even by the power of diligent yoga practice. Diligent yoga practice. How many great munis and yogis in the past have all been overwhelmed by sensual urges. Without serving Lord Hrishikesh, master of the senses, they can manage to subdue the senses for a time, but they eventually return to material activities, ultimately suffering the punishment of Yamaraj. The senses can never be permanently restrained by the practice of physical yoga exercises. This is clearly explained in many places, throughout the Agama and Purana scriptures. Although the great sage named Vishramrita was sitting and meditating in mystic trance, he still fell down from that practice to unite with Minaka, begetting a beautiful and pure daughter named Shukuntala. In this way, the unsuccessful yogi fall, yogis fall down. What to speak of the learned jnanis? As for the degraded karmis, grossly foolish like asses, they are perpetually afflicted with suffering. When Lord Krishna shows his mercy by personally giving instruction to someone, then that individual becomes equally fortunate as the great devotee, Arjuna. But whoever fights the battle of life for the sake of his own selfish pleasure, then that individual perishes along with his family, just like the foolish demon, Duryodhan. Whoever daily fights the battle of life, but only for Lord Krishna's sake, finds prosperity, mystic perfection, and transcendental knowledge appearing automatically within his grasp. O oh, brothers, take care to properly understand the transcendental message of Bhagavad Gita. Then you will attain Lord Krishna's mercy, and you will be engaged in the worship of Sri Hari. 
The Lord's devotees are richly endowed with all transcendental qualities. They have nothing to do with worldly concepts like ahimsa, nonviolent, and akrodha, freedom from anger. Using his devotees as instruments, Sri Hari gives instructions to fallen souls. One such assistant of his is known as Parta, the son of Prita, Arjuna. Arjuna had taken himself to be just an ordinary person bound by Maya. Thus, the brother of the Pandavas acted as though he was bewildered. Arjuna expressed his lamentation thus, violently killing my own relatives and family members and afterwards enjoying rulership of their kingdom. What kind of happiness would that bring me? Thus, he displayed illusory bodily consciousness by considering the bodies of others to be his kinsmen and the warrior considered leaving the battlefield out of affection for his family members. Seeing his cowardly bewilderment, Lord Krishna personally chastised him. Thereafter, Arjuna surrendered and agreed to become Krishna's disciple. Becoming Krishna's disciple, Arjuna thus listened to the Lord's recitation of the Bhagavad Gita, the hearing of which surely dispels ignorance as well as material bondage. Although Arjuna's material bondage was dispelled, he never renounced the world externally like a sannyasi does. Following his example, those who are householders can understand the true message of Bhagavad Gita. I am now firm and free from doubt, and I am prepared to act according to your instructions. Arjuna spoke this most perfect of mantras, and thus he achieved glory in the fighting of that battle. Someone may claim all the devotees of the Lord are typically nonviolent. Throughout the world, they can be seen, peacefully chanting japa on their beads. How then can this warrior Arjuna be considered a devotee? Someone may claim a Vaishnava is completely peaceful and simply spends his time chanting japa on his beads. But whoever speaks like this only eats the mind's bananas. A devotee of the Lord is naturally gentle in disposition and thus bears no malice toward other living beings. But that does not mean he is a weakling and possesses no valor, as the common people foolishly think. In the two great battles of ancient India, there have been two great heroes. Both of them were exalted devotees of the Lord, and thus they were victorious. It is said that a Vaishnav never fights a battle out of desire for personal sense gratification. This fact is indeed known throughout the entire world. Those who have never seen a true Vaishnav mistakenly claim that a Vaishnav is inactive. Actually, a Vaishnav is always active, but only in the service of the Supreme Lord. However, the neophyte devotee being bereft of life does not engage in such active service of the Lord in hope of earning the reputation of a so-called sage he pretentiously lives in a solitary place. Srila Nityananda Roy, who is worshipable by all the devotees, was even physically attacked by the demons, but every time he bestowed love of God. Lord Gorahari had even raised his Sudarshana disk there to punish the envious offenders of the devotees, but they were then delivered by the mercy of Lord Nityananda. Showing the ideal example himself, 
Lord Chaitanya engaged in preaching to the fallen souls. Those who attempt worshiping him in a solitary place verily cheat themselves. The whole world has now filled up with countless jagais and madais needing deliverance. But those in the lineage stemming from Nityananda, from Lord Nityananda, are simply busy increasing the numbers of their own disciples. They eat and sleep nicely, live in luxury, and thus remain free from personal inconvenience. But for a Vaishnava, it is inappropriate to live without actively showing mercy to others. In his book, named Madhurya Kadambani, Srila Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur has revealed the truth in this regard. Just see his learned judgment. Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says that the main feature of bhakti is that it is causeless, manifesting of its own accord. It is an eternally perfect substance. However, it lies dormant until it is awakened. The middle-class devotee, Madhyama Adhikari, extends his mercy toward others. Being compassionate to the non-devotees, he endeavors to awaken their dormant bhakti. The Supreme Lord himself comes under the control of such a true devotee. Being enchanted with the devotee's merciful nature, the Lord always follows his lead. The devotee is able to reawaken the sleeping material universe. Indeed, by his causeless mercy, sinful souls are transformed into devotees. Therefore, the true devotee never abandons preaching work to go off and engage in solitary worship. Such behavior of the neophyte devotee thus cheats the entire world. Once I had observed an assembly of supposedly famous Vaishnavas who were honored with big, big devotional titles. A Christian missionary came to Vrindavan and met with them at their residence. The priest asked those devotees some questions about the Vrindavan pastimes of Sri Krishna. But among that entire assembly of so-called devotees, no one could enlighten him about such transcendental truths. None of these neoph those neophyte devotees could understand the scriptures at all. Engaging in their pretentious solitary worship, they simply searched for dry japatis and chickpeas. My Gurudev had once boldly declared, all declared, all these Babajis and Vraj are neophytes. After so long, I have finally understood the resounding truth of what he said. One who is expert in the conclusions of the revealed scriptures and who has firm faith in Lord Krishna is classified as a topmost devotee, Uttama Adhikari. He can deliver the whole world. My spiritual master is known throughout the universe as the savior of the fallen. If he can deliver someone as fallen as myself, then he is surely as glorious as his reputation. In this age of Kali Yuga, all the souls are fallen and wretched, although looking with their eyes, they still cannot see the actual situation here in this world. Sri Gorasundara, the Supreme Personality of God, it is the most magnanimous personality. His nectarian instructions to us are sweet and profound to hear. His instruction was that whoever has taken their birth in the holy land of India should work for the real benefit of others. One of the Lord's own pastimes was to remain in solitude, tasting and relishing transcendental topics about Radha Krishna. 
but it is never the devotee's practice to imitate this confidential pastime of his. When the devotees engage in the activities of devotional service, they never attempt to personally relish like the Lord did. Tasting and relishing transcendental pastimes is actually impossible for those living in the dull material body. One who is deluded with gross bodily consciousness identifies with his material body. While trapped in this temporary covering, no one has ever relished transcendental enjoyment like the Lord's. There are some who boldly judge the Lord's devotees in terms of castes or external bodily nature. But these same critics consider themselves quite expert in relishing Radha Krishna's transcendental pastimes. For example, there was a clerk at the post office who was a respected caste Goswami. The local Babajis would always go there and bow down to him again and again. But even that supposedly exalted soul was falsely proud of his own caste by birth. Sri Nityananda Prabhu, the best of lords, smashes such conceptions to pieces. I have personally seen all these things going on in the holy land of Vrindavan. In the holy land of Vrindavan Dham. Therefore, I can understand that there is some work to be done here. There are many pretentious Prakrita Sahajas busily engaging in outright debauchery. They seduce the wives of others and try to relish a mundane imitation of Radha Krishna's transcendental Leela. These are not the ecstatic devotional moods of the transcendental abode of Vrindavan Dham. Oh, my dear mind, please continually remember the lotus feet of the six Goswamis. Since the time the six Goswamis first arrived in Vrindavan on the command of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and preached true religious principles, the practice of devotional service has indeed flourished. All the Goswamis are eternally liberated associates of the Lord, and they continually remember the pastimes of Radha and Krishna. Their confidential practice of such remembrance, Leela Smarana, vanquishes all the sins of the fallen souls. If someone simply tries to imitate those great souls by artificially adopting their dress and behavior, then he is immediately captured by Maya and is never allowed to escape from the material world. Just preach the Lord's message to the fallen souls going continuously from door to door. By the grace of that preaching, your life will become truly successful. My spiritual master, Sri Varshambhavanabhi Daita Das, has given the following, following instruction. Chant the holy name in a loud voice. This is his foremost commandment. The purpose of performing congregational chanting is not simply to make a loud noise by beating on drums. The modern styled racket created by the devotees nowadays is not the sweet sound of pure kirtan. Anything truly useful for the service of Hari is non-different from Lord Madhava, for in actuality, the sole enjoyer of everything within the three worlds is Lord Yadava. Maya's deluding potency is perfectly expressed in the sound of the radios that are loudly heard everywhere. By performing enthusiastic kirtan continuously, just drown out all that nonsense noise. 
All these mundane newspapers simply represent the trivial, chaotic hashing of Maya. To counteract such useless distractions, just perform kirtan everywhere in the world. By sitting in a solitary room, pretentiously calling out to the Lord, you may increase your bile secretion. But by spending even 10 million births in that way, you will never please Sri Hari. Sri Hari is not some material asset to be inherited from anyone's father. Just come out of your private little pen and do not make any objection. Everyone belongs to Sri Hari, and Sri Hari belongs to everyone. Go on chanting kirtan with loudly raised voices. This is my spiritual master's instruction. By the natural potency of that kirtan, the methods of smarna or transcendental remembrance will spontaneously arise. Only then will the qualification for solitary worship be genuinely attained within the will be genuinely attained within the heart. And that ends the Vrindavane Bhajan by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Gaur Premanande Haribo. And now we'll take some reflections. Anything that you heard, or if you want to expand the conversation by asking a question, that's even more bold, but let's see what you got. And Shraddha, I don't see, I'm not looking at Facebook. So if you see anything on Facebook also, like a question or something like that, you can bring it up to me. Okay. So participants, I've given you the privileges to unmute yourself. Please go ahead. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. I was really enjoying that from beginning to end. Um, just i it was amazing it's like Prabhupada goes from i mean he covers literally everything and uh i'm just uh appreciating it so much it makes me want to go back and study it um more more yeah but i'm just i'm i'm actually speechless but i was just expressing my appreciation that's all nice. that was amazing good david Ratha. that was what i was hoping for what else? What other thoughts, realizations do you have from hearing this? Everyone can weigh in. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. Hare Krishna, Divyangi. So it's really encouraging to hear all the time from Prabhupada uh, how he surrendered and how no matter what kind of difficulties he went through, he still had this goal, just clear goal. And it's very, very inspiring. And that our difficulties are like nothing comparing to his difficulties. <laughs> and of course, the goal is maybe also not comparing to his goal, right? But it's it's really encouraging. I feel very encouraged when I read Shilaprapatilamita or these like letters. Yeah, yeah. just thank you. <laughs> thank you, you know, so it's much. Very much a fighting mood, uh, mm -hmm. fighting up, standing up to Maya, and so much uh, clarified there about Prabhupada's mood, so clear about his mood of preaching. And how by preaching you'll attain this level of qualification for smartum, not by inventing some new process. Thank you very, very much, Divyangi. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Go right ahead. Hare Krishna. This is Danwari Dasi Guru Maharaj. Hare Krishna, Dadavari. Good to have you here. Thank you. Very, very 
nice uh, class prabhupad lila marita very nice uh, i like so many points um, but one thing i'm going to share my reflection is on uh, it says form on the our life is like a form on the sea water just for few minutes because of uh, the rebellious desire uh, living entity falls down in maya and yeah we think we are just fine and just uh, that really made me think that how true it is and when we say we are fine and thank you there's real shakti in that poem isn't there ganavari yes powerful 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 yes. yeah shraddha do you see anybody commenting on facebook so yes, Maharaj, we have uh, we have one comment from Shastra with Prabhu. Shastra Krit, the Shastra Krit. Oh my God! Yes, Go ahead. So he's offering you his humble obeisances, and um, he's saying that someone asked on books why Krishna gave his army to. Hold on, it's moving here, so I'm having difficulty reading. I mean, the essence of that is that the message went away. The essence of the question is that why Krishna gave, gave his army to the Kauravas, knowing that all of them will be killed in the end. Well, everyone gets killed in the end and everything, don't they? But the main reason was because Arjuna asked for Krishna and the armies went elsewhere. But ultimately, I mean, the raw answer is we're all just cannon fodder for Krishna's leafless. <laughs> And uh, there's uh, no harm in, in, uh, in dying in Krishna consciousness. Sometimes people reason that, well, Krishna's supposed to protect everybody. How come devotees die? But they don't understand anything. They don't know that when, when a devotee dies, he's not dying like an ordinary person. Krishna is picking him up and taking him where he wants him to be in service. He'll move him to another planet where he's engaging in some pastime or where he needs him to preach or he takes him back to Godhead. But devotees, no matter where they are, it's equal to them. They don't care. If Krishna says you fight on the other side and we'll kill you, they're, they're fine with that. That's not a problem. We're not trying to preserve any um, thing here in the material world. We're just trying to serve Krishna. So that's the one of the themes of the Bhagavad Gita that we just heard. Thank you, Maharaj. Um, we also have a comment from Alex Siebel, Bhakt Alex. Oh, nice. He's asking a question, um, and this is from both Alex and Minna, that yeah. what is the proper mood required to most quickly achieve the Lord's favor while performing Sankirtan? To be very humble. Humble and meek, but... Um, if, if we go out for book distribution, not for name and fame or for any, um, you know, result, but just as servants and try to follow in the footsteps of Srila Prabhupada and Lord Nityananda and Lord Chaitanya, then, and, and we act as instruments. He, he's especially pleased, and Krishna says this in the Bhagavad Gita, I'll read it to you. He tells how how he uh, appreciates the attitude of the devotees. So this is what he said. Says, he says, one who is not envious, but is a kind friend to all living entities, 
who does not think himself a proprietor and is free from false ego, who is equal in both happiness and distress, who is tolerant, always satisfied, self-controlled, and engaged in devotional service with determination, his mind and intelligence fixed on me. Such a devotee of mine is very dear to me. And he goes on from there in 12, that's 12, 13, and 14, but you can read further, as you have many times, but it never gets old. You can hear the qualities and the attitude in devotees that Krishna most appreciates. So if you read those se that section and you, uh, you practice that attitude when you're on Sankirtan or anywhere else for that matter, then you'll become very dear to Krishna. Okay, anything else, Shraddha? Uh, we have a few more, Maharaj. Should I go ahead? Okay. So this is Radha Venkat Prabhu. He's watching us on... Hey, TV. Radha Venkat. So he says that uh, this is like a few pages from a business plan. <laughs> Problem statement and goals and implementation plan. Yeah, you can see why Prabhupada was so successful. It was, it was all pre-planned. He had it clearly in mind exactly what he was doing and why he was doing it and the mood of it all. And he wasn't taking no for an answer. <laughs> he, nothing could stop him. Uh, one pointed attention on the order that his guru gave him. No, de no deviation from that at all. And Prabhupada said again and again, that's why he was so successful. Thank you, Radha Prabhu. Always a pleasure. Thank Who you. A few more, few more reflections from Facebook. Yes. Um, Nicola Wagner says that the mood of Srila Prabhupada is so clear in his writing. He was yes. so firm about the Babaji's and not just trying to corner Krishna for oneself. Yes. Srila Prabhupada's fierce mood of compassion is wonderful. Ooh, nicely put. Fierce mood of compassion. I like that very much. Thank you for sharing. Well done. Well done. Rama Venkatraman Prabhu says that the takeaway of the class is that Sankirtan is even more important than solitary chanting or personal sadhana. Did you hear the words door-to-door um, -door in there, everybody? Yes. Yeah, you did. It's neck to your, to your ears, isn't it? Because you know, you've been investing the last 20, 25, 30 years of your life in the right place. <laughs> nice, nice. Mukharavinda, go ahead. We got one from Mukharavinda. Uh, thank you so much. Severe uh, nectar. Um, in, in beginning, I was trying to search this. Where is this poem? So I missed the starting part. Can you please say where, where is the reference and which translation were you reading this from? This is from a, a book of poetry. Uh, there's two long poems that Prabhupada wrote and some others, a compilation. I think it's made into a book now, but I got this years ago from Dasra Sutta who translated this. And this particular um, poem is called Vrindavane Bhajan. It was written by Prabhupada before he came to America. You probably remember, we've read this a long time ago. And also the next, next one is the Vishishta Ashtakam. Or actually, no, it's uh, one in which he, Viraha Ashtakam, he expresses a separation from his guru. There's at least three long poems in here. I okay. um, really amazing. Um, like uh, one of the points that he was telling about inactivity and activity, like chanting, chanting japa, and then he uh, inactive actually was making Prabhupada was making the point of inactivity. 
and then he quoted there are so much battle the the two great battle happen and he was quoting how arjuna and they were not just sitting and <laughs> they were doing for the krishna's service and uh, and then um, one more quoting prabhu uh, quoted from vishwanachari thakur's madhuri kadambini where he says that bhakti is causeless and yeah. how um, how the middle class people uh, the middle class duty they um, they extend his mercy towards others so I, if you can little bit elaborate maharaj on that point um, that what he wanted to say about that the last point you said which is the madhur kadamani when he was uh, referring rupa um, that how bhakti is causeless well there you notice that you, you notice that prapa glorified the majjamadikari ज्ञान and then he offers his uh, worship loving worship then he knows what is a vaishnav this is very important because you can't make advancement in devotional service without respecting the vaishnavas worshiping the vaishnavas in fact it's more important than worshiping krishna and so he makes friends with the vaishnavas and worships them then he sees the innocent and for the innocent he's active and daring to give as much mercy as possible kripa and for those who are envious he avoids them he he uh doesn't inflame their envy anymore but he prays for them jeev goswami says so vishnuvar chakravarti thakur says that the madhyama adhikari is the conduit through which the love of krishna or the seed of bhakti is distributed to people in the world because they're going here there and everywhere to give krishna consciousness although krishna says samoham sarvabhuteshu namidvesho sinapriya I remain neutral. I let the living entity decide what he wants. He gives facility but he doesn't push. But the madhyamadikari pushes on behalf of Krishna because he knows the will of the Lord and therefore he goes for it and tries to make sure that people become devotees. Okay? Thank you so much Maharaj. And I have one point like from recently Chaitanya Charitamrita we are reading like humility and then one of the point prabhupad makes that um, if uh, my my spiritual master mercy can deliver me then he can deliver <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, so uh, in the last poem prabhupad mentioned he said why are you know he criticized some uh, of the devotees that were sitting around making disciples and living in comfort right so then someone might think oh what does that mean you know so then in this next uh, poem viraha ashrikam Uh, he writes uh, in the fourth octet to chant the holy name of the lord is the explicit command of my worshipable a worshipful spiritual master i could never honestly neglect that order your greatest acclaim is that you propagated the topmost religious culture anyone who accepts the holy name from you becomes spiritually qualified if all those who have attained this qualification were to go out and make disciples then the miserable conditioned souls would all be delivered from the world of birth and death so probably wasn't uh, criticizing anybody making disciples but he was uh, criticizing the mood of simply uh, enjoying in some kind of uh, a material so called material comfort whereas 
the idea of going out to propagate Krishna consciousness and bring more people into Krishna consciousness is very much emphasized. So we're running out of time fast. Uh, Shraddha, are there, uh, you were going to mention one more from the uh, Facebook? Yes, Maharaj. That's from Alex, Bhakt Alex Zarina. Oh, yeah. He says that people always used to respond to the question, how are you? I'm fine. I'm fine on the streets. When once it is stuck in our mind, now we heard the answer better than I deserve. <laughs> better than I deserve. Yeah, I notice that people say that a lot. I'm all set. I'm fine. And I asked Vijay Prabhu, the great book distributor and uh, book distribution minister. I, I said, well, people say that to me all the time when I show them the book. They say, I'm fine. I'm okay. And I said, what do you say? And he says, yeah, but you can always, but you can always be better, right? <laughs> okay, so um, I have a couple more things I'd like to share with you all. Uh, one of them is from the, uh, just a, a short excerpt. From uh, the Majalila 9.132. When the personal associates of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would hear of the activities of Rupa and Sanatana Goswamis, they would say, what is wonderful for a person who has been granted the Lord's mercy? Purport, Srila Rupa Goswami and Sanatana Goswami had no fixed residence. They stayed beneath a tree for one day only and wrote huge volumes of transcendental literature. They not only wrote books, but chanted, danced, discussed Krishna, and remembered Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes. Thus, they executed devotional service. In Vrindavan, there are Prakrita Sahajyas who say that writing books or even touching books is taboo. For them, devotional service means being relieved from these activities. Whenever they are asked to hear a recitation of Vedic literature, they refuse, saying, what business do we have reading or hearing transcendental literatures? They are meant for neophytes. They pose themselves to be too elevated to exert energy for reading, writing, and hearing. However, pure devotees under the guidance of Srila Rupa Goswami reject this Sahaja philosophy. It is certainly not good to write literature for money or reputation, but to write books and publish them for the enlightenment of the general populace is real service to the Lord. That was Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati's opinion. And he specifically told his disciples to write books. He actually preferred to publish books rather than establish temples. Temple construction is meant for the general populace and neophyte devotees. But the business of advanced and empowered devotees is to write books, publish them, and distribute them widely. According to Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, distributing literature is like playing on a great madanga. Consequently, we always request the members of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness to publish as many books as possible and distribute them widely throughout the world. That by thus following the footsteps of Srila Rupa Goswami, one can become a Rupanuga devotee. Gaur Premanande Haribo Nam Gai Gaur Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 
Krishna, Krishna, Hare, Hare, everybody. Krishna Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Rama 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 Hare Hare Namdai Namadushvare I have another meeting at eight o'clock because we're uh, pushing hard to uh, crack the internet and we've been having regular meetings with uh, devotees from around the world to crack the code for uh, distributing books far and wide through um, through this uh, biggest street in the universe, which is the uh, the internet. So I have to join in a few minutes. But if you could unmute everybody just for a minute so everyone can say Hare Krishna, I'd appreciate it. Go into the whole universe. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you. Not to the Not to the Not to the Not to the Not to the